0: And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to be joined by David Dennedy Frank from Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates. David, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. It's great having you here. So one of the things I learned about you was that you spent six years in a Franciscan seminary um, and have maintained an interest in Franciscan spirituality ever since, particularly about God's presence in all of creation in our day-to-day lives. So I guess the first question for me is, what does Franciscan spirituality mean to you? And how does it differ from other Christian schools of spirituality? Okay.
1: Well, and I guess for me, I was born and raised in Santa Fe and uh, was baptized and did all my early sacraments at the cathedral, which at that point in time was served by Franciscan priests. Right. So as a young boy, what it meant was that Francis was this kind of exciting saint who had uh, had an interesting life before his conversion. Uh, he was a romantic, a poet, and 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 then after his conversion, had this really intense um, experience of God and this intense reaction of trying to live God's word in his day to day life in in pretty radical and dramatic ways. So that's what it was like as a, as a child, mm-hmm. and then I I. In those days, you went to the seminary starting in ninth grade. So wow. I did high school, one year of college, and then a year of novitiate. And in that process, just began to understand some of the deeper parts of what uh, being a Franciscan or having a Franciscan spirituality meant. And, and and I've just continued that, trying to learn and trying to understand things. And for me, some of the highlights of that at this point in my life are that um, – For Francis, uh, all of creation, so that was human beings, that was the uh, created world, plants and animals, uh, they were all sacred. They were all sacred. And so he sees in every creature a reflection of the creator. And that's a pretty um, remarkable and transformational kind of way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. So um, the challenge then is if, if that really uh, is who God is and mm-hmm. who we all are and who the world is, how can we have a contemplative enough life to really try to recognize that? So try to recognize that um, on one level, just in the world we live in. So can we appreciate the the beauty in the world around us? Can we take care of the world around us? And obviously we're having huge problems with that as a human race right now. Although I think because of the work I do, I'm a clinical psychologist, um, can we see that in ourselves? Mm-hmm. And can we see that in other people or not? And if we can't um, – what are the things that are keeping us from seeing that? And are there things that we can do to just try to increase our awareness of that? Um, and, and for me, that's kind of a lifelong task that I have. Right. And there's some days that I think I do it better <laughs> and some days that I think I fail miserably at it. Um, and, and in our relationships. So, mm-hmm. you know, God gives us people in our lives, uh, our parents, uh, our partners, our children, our friends, uh, just people in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And can we, can we in some way see, see God there as well? And again, in our world today, that's so hard. Right. People see one another as enemies. Right. And if you don't share my worldview or my belief, or even within within the Catholic Church, if you don't, right. if you don't share my belief in abortion, or if you don't share my belief in social justice, then you're not of God. You're right. you're somehow not of God, and and so the the challenge to try to really, really get that deep inside of ourselves uh, is is very real.
0: It's a daunting. So so many questions come from this, which is it's so wonderful, and thank you. So much for that really helpful introduction. I guess the first question, when you say everything in creation is a is sacred because it is all a reflection of the creator, does that mean that for you God is in creation or that creation attests to God? Because I think there's a difference in how we respond to those two different things. And And if I'm understanding your question— I think
1: I would say that God is in creation. Uh, um, as as a Catholic Christian, part of what I believe is that Jesus came into the world because God wanted, in absolute fullness, mm-hmm. to share to share His godness with us, and so He God wasn't just this distant kind of figure that that at a point in time he came into creation and shared our lives right. and he did that first of all as a very vulnerable baby and then eventually he did that by his suffering and 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 death um and so that god really uh really shared in in absolute ways um our lives and so god is in creation he's in us he's in the trees, he's in the
0: animals. He's so then I guess the follow-up question from that is, I mean, you said that that, this was a, that that Francis's way of looking at the world was a transformational way of looking at the world. And our society is so different in terms of the way it approaches the world in a very utilitarian, what can we do with this element of the world? How can it serve us? Is it possible to live? I mean, you said that, that one of the roles would be to contemplate But is it possible to actually live in this world in a sort of Franciscan way in the sense that because our society is so utilitarian with nature, is it possible to not hold that perspective? Or is it possible, I guess, authentically in the sense that we have to, you know, something I often discuss with guests, we have to drive here. We have to burn fossil fuels to get here if we live, you know, 10, 20 miles away. We have to. You know, use up resources. But if God is there, is that God giving of God's self, or is that is there a relationship? Is it us abusing? How how does that work? Yeah, well, I don't think it's easy
1: to to do it. I don't think it's easy at all. However, I think if you have that uh, awareness, and if you're trying to live uh, mm. that way, there's some choices you can make. Okay, right. so you can really decide. Um, how far you live from where you work, from where you worship, right, whatever. Okay. You can really make decisions like that. Um, you can make decisions about how you consume the mm-hmm. goods mm-hmm. that are of God. So how do you consume that? And do you waste or how much do you waste? I mean, they're real practical questions. Um, and that... that those are very important questions that we should ask ourselves and ask the people in our world now. Uh, one of my local heroes uh, is Sister Joan Brown from Albuquerque. She'll be coming on the show
0: I think in two weeks' time. Oh,
1: wonderful, wonderful. I mean so here's this Franciscan sister yep. who is, is so attentive to these questions of our relationship with God's creation. And I think it certainly challenges me, challenges many people to kind of stop and think about them in something that's mm. different from just a consumer, utilitarian sort of way. And, and um, I think that's a voice that's important to let into our public discourse mm-hmm. and to try to listen to.
0: And, and it's interesting for me because... Mm. What you're talking about has been given the label, I guess, today in today's current dialogue of of environmentalism. Um, But you're not really talking about environmentalism, are you? You're talking about spirituality. And, And I think it's interesting to see those two things running on similar tracks, but with a very different perspective. In the environmentalist perspective, I would say, and this might be a little unfair, is more do it right in order to protect the earth in order to protect ourselves um whereas your perspective is do this because it's sacred because it's because it attests to God's presence, however we understand god and i'm just i'm I'm interested in in the fact that that's similar, but coming from a very different place
1: well it, it it's similar but but again, I think the dialogue or the discourse between Environmentalists and people who might come from a Franciscan or a sacred kind of way of looking at this are really important dialogues. Mm. So, um, I mean, I'm very thankful for environmentalists because I think they're doing something that's very different from just the consumers or the manipulators of our world. I think they're really. Uh, so, so it's kind of a continuum, right? Uh, and on the continuum, I see them as closer to the sacred than the people who just want to drill, baby, drill, right, 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 for their own for their own pocketbooks, right.
0: But aren't we all ultimately, though, still manipulators of this world? Oh, of course. So, of course. So, for you, it's just a matter of kind and and and, and intention,
1: right? Yeah. For me, that is important. For me, that is important. Um, and I think for Francis, it was important. I think. Part of what he challenged the church in his day and age was, wait a minute, we're not really paying attention to the word of God as presented by Jesus. We're really not paying attention to that. And aren't we supposed to take that seriously? Right.
0: (laughs) And uh, let me ask, before we take a break, um, you, you said something. You said that God gives us people in our lives. That um you know parents and, and, and so on does that mean wh- wh- what does that mean for you because does that mean that they are placed in our lives by someone other than us? Does that not impinge on free will what What does that mean for you or or is it just a sense of there are people in our lives and we can acknowledge God through them
1: yeah interesting question uh, <laughs> interesting question. Clearly, we don't ask for our parents. Sure. We, we are just given them, OK? Sure. And for all of us, it's a challenge to make peace with our parents because for Francis, it was a major challenge to make peace with his father. In fact, he didn't and there's no evidence that they ever reconciled. Ooh. Um but, but, so, in with parents, we're just given our parents, and mm-hmm. then, how do we you know, and some of us have better parents, some of us have not so good parents and and how we make peace with that for me, is a spiritual task, right, okay, now, with our partners or right. with you know, clearly, we have a huge choice in in our culture, there's some cultures who have no choice at all sure. with that, um but what we choose to do with that then. So so if we've if we've chosen to marry this person or mm-hmm. be a lifelong partner with them, how do we treat them? And how do we how do we do that relationship in a way that really honors uh, both who we are at our deepest mm-hmm. and who they are at their deepest is really important. And doing that with our children is important because again, our children we, we want them and we help create them. Mm-hmm. But they don't turn out the way we wanted them. (laughs) I mean, mean, uh, sometimes we think our children are wonderful. Yes. And some children we don't think are so wonderful or at certain stages of life. Right. So how do we work with that uh, in a way that that honors, in in the Franciscan way of thinking about things, the way that honors uh, who they are and who God made them
0: to be. This is so interesting. We're going to take a quick pause. Uh, You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich, And my guest this evening is David Denedy Frank. We're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Uh, My guest this evening, David Denedy Frank from Psychotherapy and Pastoral uh, Counseling Associates. And we've been talking about Franciscan spirituality. Um, And uh, I've been really... I, I've been really interested you, how you mentioned the connection between Franciscan spirituality and your work. And so I guess, do you, do you see this work as a spiritual task of your own? I mean, you mentioned about bringing it in for other people. But for you as well, is that a sort of almost a, a calling, a spiritual calling to – what is that for you?
1: Oh, I, I think it is. When I left the Franciscan seminary. It was because it was time to take simple vows, and I was twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never been on a date, uh, and I was supposed to take these these vows. And I was not ready, and I knew what's that. in what's in the vows. So you take vows of uh, obedience and poverty and chastity. Those are the Franciscan right. vows, and the the simple vows you take those for three years, and then after three years, you you kind of become a lifelong member of of the order. And I knew I wasn't ready, Mm -hmm. but I also knew that there were pieces of what had drawn me to be in the seminary that I wanted to continue. Mm -hmm. And where I really found that eventually was in becoming a psychotherapist. So I think for me that that is, for me, part of my religious calling. And it's something that I think has absolutely enruched, enriched my life in in ways I never even would have predicted or imagined. Um, it's part of why I'm so thankful that I've ended up at Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates, mm-hmm. which is an organization that was established specifically to provide professional psychotherapy and attention to people's faith and spiritual issues right. if they so wanted that. Right. And so... Um, It's kind of a perfect way for me to do the uh, last phases of my career uh, because it really integrates what's been most important for me over time.
0: Interesting. I'm also very interested. These vows. I I didn't know the content of the vows when you said the middle one is a vow of poverty. um, That's really interesting for me, especially in our society. Again, it's totally the opposite of what one expects. The American dream, as far as I can try to ascertain, is to be wealthy, to, to build up to anyone can, in theory, I, I don't see it working in practice, but in theory can build themselves up and make an empire of themselves, essentially. Um, that's what you're saying is the total opposite. What's behind that?
1: Well, for Francis, if we go back yeah, to please. the medieval Italy, for Francis, his conversion was very radical because he came from one of the wealthiest – fathers in Assisi, oh, right. uh, who was a cloth merchant, and, and the expectation was that he would just follow that. And when he had his conversion, he literally moved from the enclosed walls of Assisi, mm-hmm. which is where the people who had wealth lived, down to the plains below the city mm. where the lepers lived. Ah. Oh. And so he, he, he real literally moved away from wealth and into pain and suffering and poverty. In his mind, right. that was – in reality, that could be called a path of descent. In his mind, that was a path of, of salvation and mm. a path of – he called his commitment – Poverty. So even in his days, he saw the distinction. Sure. And so his love as a Franciscan was not the young women who he had been so interested in before his, his conversion, right. but rather what he called lady poverty. Huh. Uh, and for him, lady poverty was um, the poor suffering Christ, the... Poor suffering mother of Christ, Mary, mm-hmm. uh, and this this ideal that what's important is not what we have in terms of tangible right. goods or resources, but who we have, who we are inside of us, right. and what our relationship to God is, and the extent to which that can permeate all our lives, so that it's just very complete and very
0: genuine and very authentic. See, this makes me think in the book of Deuteronomy where it says the poor will never cease from the land. And would it be fair to say that Francis can say, that's right, that's good, that's us? That's exactly. And the
1: person who demonstrates that these days so publicly is Pope Francis. So so the first pope ever to take the name Francis, and he took it in honor of Francis of Assisi, and who is calling certainly the Catholic Church, but really calling the world to pay attention to the poor, the suffering, the migrants, mm-hmm. and saying that that's the measure of our spirituality and that we're, we're not just to give to them. Mm-hmm. He's really saying we're to be with them, now, that, that he, he calls the priests and the religious and even the bishops and the cardinals, he says, I want you to have the smell of your sheep.
0: Uh, the smell of your sheep. So he, he doesn't want right.
1: them to just be in their fancy houses right. and do nice things for them out there. He really wants them to interact with them.
0: And this is more than radical, isn't yes. it? Uh, uh, um, in the sense that, again, I can't speak for another faith community, but but. If I were to turn around to my community and just to say, everyone, give up your fancy houses and, and so on, I, I know what the reaction would be. They'd, they'd start looking at you know the finer points of my contract. I think, right? <laughs> right. Um, but but not in a not in a um, not in a vicious way, but in a. I mean, I guess there's that sense of some people holding that God gives um, you know the the things that we have. I guess in Judaism, the things that we have. We bring God into them. You know what I mean? So when we have a bottle of wine, we'll say a blessing over wine. When we have an apple, we'll say a blessing over an apple. Um, And so when we have, when we are lucky enough and blessed with riches, as we are mostly in this society, in this community, it's a way of connecting with God to say, thank you, God, for these things. Mm -hmm. But would it be correct to say that's the opposite of the Franciscan way, which is almost saying that's keeping us distant from God?
1: I don't. I I mean, the Franciscan charism of poverty, I think, is a way that people who choose to follow Francis try to in some form live. Right. Some do better, some do worse. Uh, I don't think they would say that's for everybody. Right. But I think they would challenge people to look at what is the truth of that, and how can you even, with your, with your wealth, with your goods, how can you make sure that you both see God in that mm-hmm. and use that for God's purposes? So not to get trapped in that cycle of just needing more and more and more because right. because because those things, those uh, that that wealth, those those uh, those things somehow never fill you and mm. they would challenge mm. you to say is there something deeper that really would fill you in a more complete way
0: and what would that be from your perspective would that be God would that be oneness with the world what What? What completes
1: oh I mean I yeah. clearly whatever faith you're in no one can describe God no one can really know God mm. um, but but I guess I would say for me, it's this this search for who is God and who did God make me to be and can I be that as fully as possible? And can I not let um, my own wounds, can I not let my own uh, distractions mm-hmm. uh, keep me from that in – regular and consistent and, and in ways that, that keep me from being who, who I think God made me to be.
0: How do we find that out? How, how, I mean, if God is other, mysterious, how, how do I – I can't call up God and say, no, so, so what am I here for? How do I know other than the, the voice that's within me which could be just my voice mm-hmm. saying to me, who should I be? I should be the world's most successful businessman. That's who God wants me to be. How, how do I find out what God made me to be?
1: I guess by spending time with the question for me, okay? Uh, part of what Francis did in the early days of his conversion is in the mountains around Assisi, there were all sorts of caves. Mm-hmm. And you can visit them even now. And in fact, the one he most often used— and he just spent, I probably can't say how, but he spent several years just in the caves mm. kind of saying to God, who are you and who am I? Right. And just asking those questions and having those questions be kind of lifelong questions. Uh, I guess my hopefully loving criticism of some people would be, you don't even ask those questions. Right. Okay? Uh, and for me, in my life, I guess it's just important—been important—to keep asking those questions, and to keep keep wondering and and kind of uh, trying to trying to deepen the question, trying to listen more and more carefully, trying to separate mm. out. So, is this just me answering, or is there something more than me? Uh, so, so that's why it's been a lifelong study. Right. I think I shared with you and part of the information I shared with you uh, before we came on air today, that for four years I studied with Rabbi Nahum Lev Ward right. in a Beit Midrash, right. which was a brand new way for me to kind of study the questions. And it was wonderful to do that in a kind of interfaith way. Um, uh,
0: and that's a different kind of question, isn't it? It is. It right. is. Right. See, I'm, I'm intrigued. We've only got a few minutes left. When Francis is off in a cave... Um, we, we actually have a story in Talmud about a rabbi who spent a long time in a cave. And when he came out, he was so sort of zealous and filled with God's presence that as soon as he saw a farmer um, plowing his field, he got angry at him for dealing with such earthly things that his gaze set the man on fire. At which point, um, God says, get back in the cave. Um, and I guess for, for me, the question that comes from that, and it's not, a, I, I don't take that as a historical narrative, mm-hmm. but much more narrative about it's easy for us to get really religious in a cave. It's much harder for us mm-hmm. in today's society. We don't really have caves where we can go for years and contemplate our lives. So I guess perhaps the question is, where do we go? How do we do this? How do we find time for this? You know, and can we ever fully separate
1: Again, it, it, it's an imperfect process uh, at best. Um, but I think, I, think, I think just trying to uh, – I guess some of the things I think people can do, some of the things I suggest to the people who come to me mm-hmm. who are struggling with these questions you know, in their lives is just asking them to take a few minutes every morning when they wake and a few minutes at night before they go to bed. To just acknowledge that their life is not only about them, Mm -hmm. that their life is also about something bigger than them, uh, something that that could be called God, and to just spend some time with that. And in their day-to-day, week-to-week, year-by-year life, never lose that question. Mm. Uh, Always, always know that, that that's there and it's an important question. Uh, it's so easy in the world we live in today to be so caught up right. in just the day-to-day life. Right. Um, and what Francis modeled for his followers uh, really was um, that you come out of the cave, yep. and then you're part of the world, and you don't you don't be critical of that world. You just
0: interact with it. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Um, this has been fascinating for me, really, and hopefully for those listening, maybe even after listening to our show, just taking some time and reflecting on exactly those questions. I certainly hope so. Thank you, Rabbi Neil. Thank you to David Dennedy Frank from uh, Psychotherapy and Pastoral Counseling Associates. Um, uh, we really, I hope that you come back another time and we can explore more about Franciscan spirituality and indeed uh, about the work that you do. Thank you very much. I'd be happy to. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Best Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.